Captain's Log, Stardate 75993.4. The USS Vigilant is en route to an area of space that holds special interests to the Engineering Corps. Myself and my Strategic Operations Officer, Lieutenant Commander David, are being tasked with overseeing the transfer of a key item. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to going beyond the boundaries. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me for another book review, my dear friend, Lieutenant Commander David. How are you, good sir? Hey, not too bad, man. Good to be back for another book. Yeah, reading and stuff, literature. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, divides a society from the uneducated and the educated, and the dogs and the animals and the just, yeah, whatever. It's good stuff. Literature. Fine. Yeah, it's a real, it's a, it's a real uh, uplifting kind of story that we're going to be getting into, right? Uplifting? Oh. Uplifting? Did you want it to be an uplifting story? I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to be positive. You know, I'm just trying to, trying to spin it. Uh, you you oh. can't. You, you can't. All right, everybody at home. Now we know what Chase's real feelings about this book are. Oh boy! Before we even started. I don't know, man. Wow. We'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But before we get into it, I mean, I know it's been. Uh, just a, a very short amount of time since we did, you know, like the most recent Strange New Worlds review. But, I mean, what's been going on? We're, we're uh, I mean, we're recording this, um, you know, the 4th of July weekend and stuff, like going into it um, here in the United States. So, uh, yeah, what's what's going on, you know, leading up to that for you? Um, yeah, what have I done? Uh, not, a, not a ton. Did see, so the Columbus uh, fireworks, call it Red, White, and Boom. Oh, nice. Um, so went and saw that Friday night. It was hot and sticky. Hmm. <laughs> I, I had never been down. I, I always knew it was like kind of, um, it's a big event. A lot of people go downtown to Columbus and, you know, view their, their fireworks and it's fun. Um, kind of a little, uh, sort of a little street fair. They had all the food vendors. They had a band playing up on a stage and all this stuff. Um, so that was, that was fun. Um, <laughs> you can't really like go park downtown because it's mm. insane. It's insane normally. So we, we just wound up parking, you know, randomly walked about a half mile, uh, to it. So got some, okay. got, got some steps in, you know, for the health, for, for, for the health, man. This is a healthy, healthy podcast here. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, yesterday, not a, not a ton going, going on and really this, um, I'm, I'm off work until, uh, Friday. So I'm just sort of using the time to work on the house. I hacked some limbs off of the tree in my front yard that were, that have been irritating me for a while and, nice. uh, you know, cut these overgrown bushes and, hmm. uh, girlfriend helped out with that. She, she did the bushes mainly and. Then we wash the cars and everything, and now we're, you know, planning on tomorrow finally putting my cabinets back together and hopefully getting a couple coats of paint on some other stuff. And nice, you know, 
ideally with the uh, with the housing market probably at some point within the next year probably will try and sell out of this place while the getting's good while the capitalist money's flowing while we can all take advantage of the area I live in and the housing costs and stuff yes <laughs> yes yeah and then you're gonna come to Texas like uh, good old lieutenant commander oh, Eric did right oh boy I don't know man I'm just saying I don't know you're you're i know the 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 job place that you work at they're down here too that's true yes yes they are indeed are indeed down there but uh but now we'll see we'll see but uh yeah that's pretty much pretty much been been the stuff cool what have you been up to huh what have i been up to um so we so we celebrated my son's uh birthday uh this weekend oh yeah we, yeah I, I saw your post congratulations to yeah. the, to the boy one years old one years old that's right yeah we uh so we're, we're having a party on the um actual fourth with him um and, and like the family and everything everyone that's gonna be in town so um yeah his his birthday's on the second so it just it just works out i guess for like independence day and stuff but um yeah we went to the zoo um on his actual birthday and uh, it was hot. <laughs> it was hot. Like, not even like enjoyable hot. It was just like miserable hot. Like, I want to die kind of hot type of thing. And um, so yeah, we we kind of just like hit like some of like the favorite places that our kids enjoy, and um, and then just kind of barreled out of there and and whatnot. There there's a, um, a like a Texas like specific area of the zoo that we went to, and. Um, my my daughter loves to play in this like, it's like a like a barnyard like farm themed like play place type of thing. Mm, okay, basically, is, is the floor corn, or is that just no. an Ohio thing? I think it's just an Ohio thing. I would expect that be an Iowa thing actually. <sighs> okay, the floor anyway. could be corn. Yeah, I, yeah, sure. So in the so in this play place, there's um. There's a thing where it's like a farm to like your home or something. And like, it's like trying to teach the kids, like, you know, how like you actually get the food from like where it comes from to like your, your home. Right. See this cute little chicken. <laughs> what do you think nuggets are made out of? Mm. I want to be a vegetarian. <laughs> so. My my daughter was having fun with that, and like there was like a like a petting zoo and stuff like that. And Very cool. while they were like running around and just being goobers and stuff, um, there's like this candy shop that's right across, um, I guess the the street or whatever, across the pathway or whatever from where they were. I go in there, and I'm like, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go get something that that I wanted last time, and it's probably a bad idea. So. The first thing was, you know, with it being my son's birthday, it's it's a candy slash fudge shop. So, I bought um, this like uh, birthday fudge square thing, and it's like like half of it's chocolate, the other half is like a strawberry something with like sprinkles. And um, so I bought three of them, like one for me, one for my wife, and one for my mother-in-law. And I bought this like little tiny little like cake pop thing for my daughter, and we had that for lunch. We ate that at lunch, and it was all right like it was all right i enjoyed the chocolate more than the strawberry 
but it was it was all right. Really rich. But here's the bad choice that I made, my dude. I saw this last time. Like I, I'm, I'm getting this. I have not. I'm, I'm half tempted to go get it right now, and like try this on air, have like a live reaction type of thing. I got pickle flavored cotton candy. Mm, I've seen that. Mm. No. No. I'm not a big pickle person. Mm. I mean, I'll eat some pickle chips. And by mm. that, I mean potato chips flavored with, like, pickle. Yeah. Or, like, a fried pickle chip, which is there a pickle go. that's chipped. <laughs> fried. <laughs> Very, <laughs> various forms wow. of words there. Yeah, I don't know. Some of the pickle flavoring goes a little little too much. So, not only did I get it for... I, I, I got it for me, you know, of course, but um, I was also thinking, if I still want this the next time I come here... You know, for my friends, I'm going to get this. So, uh, one of my friends who is in the DFW area, um, huge pickle fiend. So, I nabbed I nabbed one for them, and then I have another friend who despises, loathes anything pickle flavored. So, of course, I had to get them so, one. Torture, yeah, torture naturally. Friends. So, they're going to be getting some degree of a care package in the near future with pickle something. So, it'll be great. It'll be great. But apart from that, apart from blowing money, um, I I was kind of adulting doing, like, house stuff, too. Um, getting ready for the fourth um, and, you know, smoking a brisket and everything. Um, one of the things that I've been putting off for far too long, and this is going to sound, like, really silly, but it's just getting a new garden hose. Like... I get that. Like, I've... The, the garden hose that I had was like it was like my starter one and like I bought like a nice one for the front of my house which is like a contractor's kind of mm-hmm. garden hose I'm like I can just use this one like it was my 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 uh, grand my grand my grandpa's old you know hose or whatever that's fine wait and, your family's just passing down hoses we you have okay that's like from another the, from thing the like beginning oh, of time this hose oh has my been gosh, in our family dude dude, dude. <laughs> Like that's like a whole nother like episode rant that I don't know if we have time for. Like my my uh, dad's side of the family, you there there was enough stuff in the garage to be able to furnish fully furnish like three or four houses worth of stuff. Yep, I feel that. Yep. So of course (laughs) it's like, what do you need to furnish your house? I need I need a garden hose. So I need a hose. I need one. Help me. So yeah, I, I, I grabbed one, and I mean it's all right, but it just kinks too much, right? Like it's just it's more trouble than it's worth. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, I got a new one, got a new sprayer, and everything. And um, Did you get one of those those ones where the inside of the hose collapses when it like doesn't have water in it, it expands when it has water oh, in it. Those no. are pretty nice. I didn't get the As Seen on TV hose. Yeah, but they're actually kind of nice. And they make ones that aren't labeled As Seen on TV now. Huh. So it's not its not a joke, Chase. It's a good hose, okay? Wow. You just got to... <laughs> this is for all the hose aficionados out there. In the coupler, you got to make sure there's a little, little gasket in there. So it makes proper contact so it doesn't spray water all over the place. That's yeah. just smart. That's... <laughs> 
We're, we're using our noggin on that one. Here we go. Next on these are the Voyagers. Hydrangeas. Are they good or are they bad? Should you buy carnations instead? How about rose bushes? This week on NPR. Ooh. I thought it was TRTV. I'm so confused. Uh, it's just letters, Chase. Don't, don't worry too much. I, I don't ever. <laughs> about anything. <laughs> most of the time. That should be good to get a get a brisket in there. I, I did. Uh, I think I said this on the last one. But I did get some uh, various chicken in the smoker uh, last week. I did uh, mm-hmm. wings, uh, larger drums and thighs, and I pawned that off on quite a few people because I made way too much. But they were they were pretty darn good. Yeah, homemade sauces, all that good sort of stuff. Good smoked nice. wing is nice. Yeah, yeah. The um, the request for I guess like the meats or whatever for our fourth was. Um, my brisket, which I think is a requirement now, and um, sausage, like so, some some smoked Ooh, yeah. sausage or whatever. So that's nice. Um, my in-laws they bought the the sausage, so um, I'll probably throw that on in the morning since sausage doesn't take too long. Yeah, I mean I'm guessing it'll probably take like an hour, maybe or two. Maybe, yeah, won't take long. Not compared to brisket, right? No. <laughs> no, that brisket will take. It takes a while. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna take a minute. So, but yeah, that's that's been that. Um, family coming in for the fourth and uh, celebrating my boy, doing a little baseball themed party. It's uh, it's gonna be fun. Rookie of the year. He's the rookie of the year. Just an all American boy. That's right. That's right. So, anyway, enough of that. Enough of that, man. Um, obviously, Eric's not joining us because, well, I don't know if he can read. I've been questioning it as many times as, you know, he gets uh, lost in the shuttle and I get lost in the shuttle. I'm just convinced he doesn't know which buttons are which anymore. So mm. that's really mean. That Seems is. Really mean. We love you, Eric. Yeah. Most that of the guy, time. That guy's a teacher. <laughs> like, not even just a teacher. He is a professor. He's a mathematician. He's smarter than probably both yeah. of us combined. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. intimidating. Yeah. There's only a few days where I am smarter than him, and it's usually the 30th of February. <laughs> but, you know, it's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Well, David, shall we shall we mosey on into this here book discussion? Yeah. Yeah, I think we should. Hey, first book we've read in a while that didn't have anything to do with time. Oh, wait. You know, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> okay, no, so... It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't as manipulative as, as other books we've had. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. I, I, want, I want everyone out there in listener land to know about this. So, when we finished um, our last book, which was uh, Captain's Oath, I believe. And, mm. uh, yeah, Captain's Oath. I had, um, like, it was either pre-show, like, before one of our discussions, or it was, like, a text or something. I was like, hey, David, I want you, I have an idea for, like, one of a few books that we could do. I want you to look and just, like, poke around and see which one you're the most comfortable with, because I think it's going to, like, kind of flirt with time travel or whatever. So I just want you to be cool with it, because I know how burnt out and, like, just over time travel, multiverse nonsense you are with it. Yeah, it gets old. Yeah. So, and you, you, you gave it the, 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 the it. David blessing. 
Well, you know, I mean, it, I, I, I just did general synopsises, no real uh, plots or anything like that. But I saw Kirk, I saw Spock, I saw, you know, number one. And I thought it would be topical because we're watching These Are the Voyages and we have Una right there. And I just thought, hey, this is this is somewhat topical. Mm. Uh, coming from, uh, what was it, 2016, I think, this book was written? 2016, yeah. maybe? Yeah. So I thought, hey, this sounds, sounds like it would be a good one. So there we go. Yeah. Yeah, so this this book in question, if the title of this um, podcast didn't give it away, um, Star Trek Legacies Book One. It's called Captain to Captain, and uh, this is a um, a trilogy of books that um, came out during the uh, 50th anniversary celebration of Star Trek as a franchise. And um, it's this book. I I don't mind how this book is structured, and. It's. I think it does a pretty good job. Like when it comes to at least for this book, like bookend, like the bookending of of it, um, like how it sets up the story and just kind of how things wrap up, and then like the meat, like the true meat of it, which I thought was very compelling for the most part, um, was was just really well organized. So, um, yeah, this this book runs about uh, what was it like three hundred fifty some odd pages, I think. Something uh, like that. I think the Audible was... Well, let me check that. I want to say nine hours, but I could be wrong. That sounds right. Um, I never listen to it at normal speed, though. Yeah, not... not all right. Uh, well, oops. Uh, whatever. I'm pretty sure it's nine hours. I, I actually did wind up speeding it up at a point. Because uh, I got down to, like, the last two hours, and I just needed to get it done. So I, I did... I listened to the chipmunk, you know, going on. It takes, it takes, and there's some readers that I can't, I cannot listen to sped up or at least not very much. Yeah. Because it's just, it becomes unnatural. <laughs> but Robert Petkoff is one I can speed up a little bit and it's, it's perfectly fine. Yeah. Like normally, like, especially when Robert Petkoff um, is, you know, narrating these, um, I usually listen about like one six, one six five, one seven, somewhere yeah. in there most of the time. Um, he's like, he's a bit slower of a reader, but the one the one payoff to having Robert Petkoff is is he actually does voices differentiated does. voices reasonably well. Like you know in the in the Star Wars arena, Mark Thompson dominated for a while, and now we're getting more readers, which I'm like, oh, thank. Thank you. I can't listen to him Love forever. It. Especially when he brought out this voice for somebody. You know, and mm. he, he just is like, you're running out. You're running out of voices. But Robert Petkoff, for for every for as slow as he can be, does a really good job with capturing the voices. Because, like, we had McCoy in here, and I thought he did a good job with McCoy. Um, and, again, I, I, I thought everything was pretty good from an audible uh, standpoint. But yeah. it is a little slow. Like, legitimately, you get any other reader. This is probably what, like, a six-hour read or something like that. Just like cut cut a couple hours off of Petkoff's time. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, there were there were um, some of the chapters. Like, if you're like listening on Audible um, specifically, it it shows you you know what the runtime is for that particular chapter. Yep. And. Like there were like some of those where it'd be like a 45, 50 minute some odd chapter. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be freaking kidding me. 45 minutes for this. And I look and it's like, you know, a 20, 
25 page chapter and I'm like I can bang that out like in you know about half the time are you kidding me yeah exactly but anyway so yeah this um, this book came out in 2016 uh, written by Greg Cox um, which to me I'm personally not um, readily familiar with with any of the books I don't think we've done any Greg Cox books um, in our time reviewing anything you know me I don't know very much about uh, Star Trek literature I mean this is actually a nice journey for me getting to know uh, any of these people so I think the ones that we've we've done the most with have been um, James Swallow I think him and um, Una McCormick um, I think those have been the the repeat offenders uh, for us in terms of what we tackled. Yeah, and, of, and of course, Bill Shatner. Mm-hmm. So just looking over at my library, um, just double-checking real quick. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of where we're at. Um, so shall I read the synopsis that's on the back of this book? Please do. Okay. So um, here's a tease or whatever, I don't know. Um, Hidden aboard the USS Enterprise is a secret chamber that has been passed from captain to captain, from Robert April to Christopher Pike to James T. Kirk. Now the return of the enigmatic woman, once known as Number One, has brought that secret to light, and Kirk and his crew must risk everything to finish a mission that began with Captain April so many years ago. Nearly two decades decades earlier, April and his crew first visited the planet... um, I always... Usala... You sealed. You sealed. That sounds right. Where they found both tragedy and a thorny moral dilemma. Today, the legacy of that fateful occasion will compel Kirk to embark on a risky voyage back to that forbidden world, which is now deep in the territory claimed by the Klingon Empire. And um, just like most um, Star Trek books, um, it kind of gives you um, a historian's note in terms of like when these events are taking place, which is essentially two different time periods which we will find out we'll talk more about so the events in the story take place during the event the di- during different missions of the Starship Enterprise in 2245 the Enterprise was launched from the San Francisco Yards under the command of Robert April after a major refit was finished in 2264 command of the Starship uh, passed to James Kirk uh, the events that occurred during Kirk's mission take place several months after the Enterprise's uh, cruise journey to the diplomatic conference on um, Babel so there we go. So yeah, we're we're looking at you know the 2240s and the 2260s um, in terms of this story, just for all all, all y'all in listener land to kind of frame up uh, what's up. So here's the thing, you know we've we've been watching Strange New Worlds, you know, and it's been one heck of a ride. And one of the characters that we meet in the season premiere, the pilot, whatever, is April, yep. and we. Look, I, I'm, I'm like 99% sure this is not canon, but the fact of the matter that we are, we've essentially had three different iterations of Robert April, I'm kind of enjoying it, but I'm also kind of frustrated by it as well. Well, it is a little frustrating because well, uh, he was a part of the animated series? He was, yes. Okay, I never watched that. But, um, well, and then in Strange New Worlds, he was an admiral, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we want to keep the name, but we don't want to settle on who he is. <laughs> ba- basically, basically. Yeah. And, you know, like, for the most part, like, I've, I mean, the the brief stuff that we've had with, um, 
with Robert April in Strange New Worlds, I like him. I like the character. I mean, I don't, I don't have any issues with the dude. It's just that, you know, we have this this guy in in the show who's um, he seems like real down to earth for the most part. Maybe like a little bit more stiff than, mm-hmm. than Chris, but I mean, he seems like a genuinely genu- genuinely good dude. And then the portrayal that you get in the animated series, I think, is still is a little bit more stuffy. But then here in the book, we basically have a British dude. Yeah, and uh, in my opinion, a pretty inept British yeah. dude as yeah. as well. I think there there's a lot, you know, when we get into it about their mission that w- that was portrayed in the book. It's like, this uh, this is not good decision making, man. Um, but I, I mean, I agree. I don't I don't mind him in Strange New Worlds. I I, I like the um, the somewhat supportive admiral role uh like admiral forest in enterprise i enjoyed admiral forest i enjoy having a little admiral buddy you know what i mean it's like this is chris's little admiral buddy i like that of course we i don't think we've seen him again uh at least not not in a while so uh yeah but uh but yeah i i I was not (laughs) i was not a fan of uh the the, not not the portrayal of the character, but character, but just the character's decision making in this book. Agreed. Yeah. So we we have a couple different crews, so things will get kind of like depending on how detailed we get into like this spoilerific, you know, book review type of thing. Um, it could get a little dicey, but um, yeah, we go back to April's crew at one point, but we start the story off with um, uh, Kirk's crew you know, in, in the 2260s. Um, so with that, we, I mean, we, well, actually, um, yeah, with that, we, we find ourselves aboard Kirk's enterprise and, uh, um, after a variety of things occur, we have, um, what I believe like really seems to amount to like a state's like visit type of thing like with how they kind of like drum up and portray um, Una or number one's uh, visit to the Enterprise and there's a lot of you know excitement you know for the most part like they people are whole, happy to see they had her. a whole party yeah like welcome back type of thing mm-hmm. and the welcome one thing- back <laughs> welcome back welcome back welcome back you don't want me to sing I'm, I'm gonna stop um, but yeah like happy smile yay time whatever and I love like some of the comments that she's making about like even seeing like Kirk's quarters um, like talking about um, she remembers like the size of like I think it was like Pike's quarters or whatever um, and just how much it's changed after the Enterprise refit and I made kind of like a passing comment yeah. on the last discussion um, for Strange New Worlds but yeah like I just I thought that was that was fun yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think uh, I think they definitely did a, a decent job of sort of capturing the original series here, here too. They talked about Ahura singing, you know, oh, oh, come on, come on, Ahura, like sing a song. Oh, I don't want to sing it. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, but uh, sure. And then you know, singing all night long, and Sulu's a little hungover, and 
you know, I, I just remember the day after when everybody on the bridge is a little groggy and like mm. Kirk, Kirk's like, oh, geez, this is like my sixth cup of coffee. <laughs> it's like, yep, that seems like original series, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get out of here, yeoman, with your stupid stylist and pad. I don't want it. Yeah. So, I want to camp out like on Una for a second. Like, so this is years. I mean, this is like a, a year and a half to two years at least before we get the Disco Prize with Anson Mount and Rebecca Romaine doing their thing on, you know, end of, like in season two of Discovery. Mm-hmm. So right here, we haven't had anything to really tell us about number one, anything to tell us about right. Una at all apart from like you know the failed pilot and like they're reusing it you know later on with the cage doesn't um, that seem a little funny though like that they never expounded upon that character at all I mean yeah maybe a little bit hmm. I mean I get it was you know the as you sort of quoted there failed pilot but still I mean we we made a pretty big to do out of Pike but we did Anyway, yeah, we, we, we sure did. Um, but, but I guess like with that, you know, like knowing, you know, like looking back based on what we've experienced in Strange New Worlds, you know, we learned that, you know, it's been canonized, right? That she is Illyrian. And mm-hmm. in here in the book, she's Illyrian. And that was that was pretty cool to see. And like in the show. Pike had a giant captain's um, quarters that he used to host people in. In the book, Pike had giant quarters that he used to host people in. And yep. um, I'm putting myself out there on the chopping block on this one, but I have I have no idea if the writers and the producers of Strange New Worlds like look to books like this one in crafting like some of the stuff for Strange New Worlds. I mean, what do you think? I mean, we're just kind of guessing at this point. I, yeah, I mean, it, that. I hesitate to say that any writer necessarily is going to take tips from another writer, but there were some amazing coincidences, uh, you know, in, in some of this that I, I thought was um, I thought was pretty neat. Another thing that popped in my head as you were talking, though, just sort of a uh, nod uh, to to Majel uh, Roddenberry. Yes. So we, yes. Una uh, notices the computerized voice being her. Well, <laughs> who played Una in the pilot? <laughs> and then Major Nurse Bear. Chapel, yep. and then Deanna's mother. <laughs> you know, so yep. uh, I thought that was that was a fun. It, it was a small uh, thing, but it was a fun little nod uh, to to Major Roddenberry. I like yeah. that. Oh, and then, like, later on, like, when she's on a ship, like, she, like, presses a few buttons to make it masculine, so it's not like she's <laughs> talking to herself. So, yeah, that, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. So, yeah, um, just to kind of, I guess, to try and move this story along, um, David, you know, we, she's there, and, you know, she's having a good time, like, interacting with people, you know, trying to, like, retire and whatever, and, um, but she also has, like, um, ulterior motives, right? Like, she's trying right. to do something uh, without being caught and um, that is get a very secret thing that only 
Enterprise captains and first officers are privy to. And her having been a first officer herself is privy to this thing and, you know, where it is hidden, more or less. And um, so it's this thing called um, uh, Transfer Key. And um, I, I had it pictured, like, uh, a certain way. Like, I was kind of thinking, like, a like a Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, like boss key kind of thing, like okay. golden skeleton key <laughs> type of thing, formed with like a gem in it. I don't know. Okay. Uh, just, just go with it. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of like what I was picturing, but it, it has this like special significance of which we are not privy to at this point in the story. So in her attempt to um, get this thing, there's just a, you know, a random dude that just is like, hey, you need help? You okay? Riley. Can I help you with something? Can I help you? You okay? Huh? That's Lieutenant Riley. Thanks, Riley. Um, he's always he's always just he's just the butt of the joke, man. Mm. Poor Riley. Nope, nope. I don't need you. Don't. Nope. You can go now. Nope. No. Seriously. No. Seriously. Go. Please leave. Judo yeah. chop. And uh, anyway, so. She, she she breaks into Kirk's quarters, finds this thing, has to take care of Riley, and then kind of boot scoot and boogie up on out there as quick as as quick as she can. This seemed a little I mean, I realize it's a book, but this seemed like either really, really good timing or pure dumb luck or something, or a combination of the two. How this all worked out. Yeah, so it was um it was an interesting plan. I'll say that much. Uh, very convenient. Although, um, so remind me again, they said that this was sort of set as they were going to Babel? Yes. Okay. But then they also made mention of that Spock had already assisted Pike, who had went through his accident. So that whole sequence of events had already happened. So Correct. Is that correct timelineage there? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Just wanted to make sure, um, because I am far too lazy to look it up myself. Uh but but anyway, I, I kinda wondered about that, but it seemed a little bit like uh more of a okay, well Spock, you helped you helped the captain. So now I have to do my thing to help these people that I had lost uh, on a previous mission mm-hmm. under uh, Robert April. Mm-hmm. More or less, yeah. Yeah. And it, it's a very brief but also kind of like nail-biter of a space chase that's going on. Yeah, we did the, we did the slingshot maneuver but did not... Do time timey wimeys just did mm-hmm. did fasty wasties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you do that? Like, like, how do you do that? Right? Like, how do you like slingshot around a star, a sun, right, and go fast and like not go into the past? Like, if you're dealing. I'm gonna go. If you're well, dealing, if you're dealing with like slingshotting around us, if you're entering into, like, a sun, like your gravity is like has to be like severely, like hampered by that. So it seems like it's counterintuitive to 
slingshot around a sun to go fast. Well, well, Chase, what you're failing to understand is... Yeah, I fail to understand a lot of things, David. (laughs) She didn't hit the magical 88 miles per hour, okay? So it's fine. That's when you go... That's when you go time, okay? Now, it did seem a little strange. I... I, yeah, I don't. I don't know enough about, you know, the sort of. I would assume using something within the gravitational pull to then again the precise word slingshot. Uh, but yeah, have we ever really had much else aside from like say Voyage Home, where we did a slingshot maneuver and it didn't send us in time? Because I don't really remember anything like that. I always remember referencing the slingshot as a way to go potentially back in time if you have the proper calculation. Or you burn up, because that was even a part in Voyage Home where they were like, if it's not exact, we'll basically fry ourselves. Which, that's kind of like a tease for like later on in this book, Mm -hmm. in a a way. Mm -hmm. No, no, not that I know of. And here's the thing, like I realized Janeway and company, like they were gonna be spending like potentially multiple lifetimes, you know, trying to get home or whatever. So, yeah, they were, like, you know, traveling as fast as they could to get back to the Alpha Quadrant. But, like, why not just, like, you know, set coordinates for, like, the nearest sun and, like, just slingshot, use suns to, like, slingshot themselves back to the Alpha Quadrant. Just do multiple slingshots. (laughs) Set set course, slingshot for the nearest sun, right? (laughs) I mean, if that's the case, like, why not? Like, let's just do a bunch of slingshots and slingshot our way home. Like, if this is the case that they're they're kind of setting up in this book. Well, I think didn't they also mention something about... So, Una's ship is significantly smaller. Wasn't there also a part in there about having a greater risk if you were using the Enterprise to do that maneuver versus a smaller ship? I feel like there was something in there about that. There... think I remember that I think I remember it's that. a bit of a, let's just put it this way it's a little bit of a stretch just just a skosh yeah but anyway so yeah Una Una's trying to you know get the heck out of Dodge and um, Kirk realizes what's up and he's like I can't tell y'all yo what's up but you got you got like just do what I say basically so let, let's go get her let's go get her bring her home and uh, and have like you know, a little, little talky talk along the way of like stuff, and it's not really working out too well. And um, next thing we know, it's basically end of part one, which is get her getting away and yeah. us going. Not we are not going into the past because of slingshotting. It's just we are flashing back to I believe it was twenty two forty eight, which is when um, April is in command of the Enterprise, and we're like what over two thirds of the story is really taking place. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot, but essentially explaining how they even got the transfer key. Yeah. Yeah. So we are, we're having to return, um, as we're later going to find out to where there's this like part of, of there are these worlds as territory, whatever that is, um, now part of, of Klingon space for the most part um, that wasn't about 20 years prior when this is take 18 years prior actually uh, when this uh, chunk of the story is taking place so yeah we find ourselves um, in, in part two of this narrative 
um, on his br- on the bridge, and we have um, April who's giving a captain's log, which I know Eric's going to appreciate a good captain's yeah. log. So there you go, Eric. There's a captain's log in the book, and um, you know it just seems like things are going well, and um, we have to like any good Star Trek something or another, we have to start investigating a little a little Dumaflachi. So that's what we do. We we start to interact and hear things and um, set course and you know the Star Trek stuff basically. Um, so when I f- so the the two the, these like factions or these whatevers that we are gonna come to know, um, I had to do like a double take on one of them, dude. Mm-hmm. So there was um, the Jator, right? Mm-hmm. right? And then there was um, Usildor. I think that's how it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I heard it the first, I'm like, "Did you just say Isildur?" Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isildur, <laughs> casting it in the fire. Like, did Lord of the Rings just get into my Star Trek? I'm, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not angry about it. <laughs> I'm not angry about it. But yeah, let you. Okay, so when I called you up the other day, just asking, like, "Hey." can we like just move like when we record this and talk about this, you had started like sharing some thoughts with me about this whole Jator, you know, Usildur, whatever thing. Um, just want to give you like a little space to talk about that. Um, I don't remember specifically what we were chatting about. I, I will say though that like very briefly, I do think it's an interesting story of what was going on on this planet. And the main the main crux is you have a kind of a conquering race, the Jator, and then yeah. a subservient race, the how how are we saying this again? You Sealdor. You Sealdor, okay. And the You Sealdor are, you know, pre pre warp, very kind yeah. of um, into nature, living in the trees kind of people, very, you know, mm-hmm. kind of a simplistic life with their weird melons that glue you to the floor and their Mm -hmm. strong go juices um but anyway the jator are a slug like species they are and there were some interesting things going on with them now one I don't know that we necessarily, and you could probably correct me detail-wise, but it kind of seemed like we were trying to say that they were maybe multi-dimensional, or, but then it was like, no, we're just not from around here, or like, you know, I, I think that that was kind of a little strange, um, because effectively, not to spill the beans, but effectively the transfer key is just, they literally just zapped themselves from where they were to where they were going it made them go um and you know they were basically using the Usildor to terraform the planet i think mm-hmm. that was what was that something that you were saying uh, or something i heard along the way about well if it's not earth how can it be terraforming because <laughs> isn't terra yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i mean but, like i mean terraforming could be i guess it's earth it's ground forming it's whatever but what if they don't call it earth chase what if they don't call it ground what if they have it's called splat splat forming are you cool with that yeah let's do it okay (laughs) 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 
But we need um, more splat in IL three. Yeah. One of the things that I, I kind of um, it got it got tough from an audible perspective was with with the Jator. So the 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 Jator uh, have family units. They have children. They have something going on there, but then we're also told that they're basically, in quotation, sexless. Mm -hmm. So they have another kind of pronoun, which I'm going to be honest with you here. I'm totally cool with this. I don't care, but it was it it got confusing because I couldn't figure out if it was their name or their pronoun, and then it seemed like they had two different pronouns. Yeah, and then because like even our 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 doctor slug guy. Yeah, it was getting or, muddled really quick it, like, it, it, with, with it, all the terms. Yeah, and, and that's and the thing is, again, I don't care. It doesn't matter. But in an audible form, it does get a little confusing. Maybe if I had read the book. And I, did you read the book or did you listen to it? You know what I do, right? Like I know you kind of mix but and like, match, but that but, part, but that part, I was like strictly on audible, not not actually reading that part. Okay. It just it, it, it for me it, it felt a little confusing because I think that the pronoun that they were trying to use felt a little bit too much like a name, and I and I just got confused at which per which entity uh, we were talking about, and that is where I sort of started to get lost in the story and I was like, is there any way that we can just button up this story and move on to the next story? Yeah, you know what? It, so you know what the the Jator thing. Um, and Usildor thing was kind of reminding me of. Um, there were uh, um, um, two stories, one um, Enterprise and uh, one um, Next Gen. And uh, the first one was uh, Dear Doctor from mm-hmm. Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like how you had like the, the ruling race and like the subservient race. Yeah. And like, well, they're actually doing better than you type of thing. Like they're, the, like they're being used to kind of keep you alive for the most part. Yeah. Like with a um, childbearing and a bunch of other stuff. So there was that that I was thinking of. Um, and then, um, oh my gosh, I can't believe the name is ex- um, escaping me right now. But um, Eric's yelling at us right now. Actually, he's sternly talking to us and about to state a fact. We can't hear him. <laughs> and that is, um, oh my gosh, it's next gen. And it's the, um, the androgynous one that um, Riker oh. ruins everything. Yeah, uh, they they, they in procreated like in corn husks or something like that. There was something about husks, the fibrous You've been, like, husks. You've on the corn thing like today, I swear. Look, not everything is corn, but everything could be corn. <laughs> you know what? I can't. I can't do this. The outcast. Yeah. The outcast. outcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Thank you, Eric, for that. Appreciate you, bud. Um, but yeah, like those two. Those two stories were kind of on my mind as I was like going through this part of the book like we're learning about like this society this culture this whatever um, and just like trying to like wrap my mind around like this but also like for anyone that's watched the Orville have you watched the Orville David uh, maybe like uh, the first two seasons okay so yeah the um, um, on the Orville there's this you know blob um, this green blob who's voiced by um, um who is it voiced by? Anyways, it's Yafit. Um, Yafit on the, the Orville. And that's kind of like what I was thinking of. Like all these like Yafits like oh, okay. sure. all over the place. It's this green like Mucinex like snot monster type of thing. Too too much. Too much. Just just go with it. It's fine. 
Anyway. I don't but know. Yeah. I, it, it just... It, it, it was fine. It just... It did get a little confusing in audible form. That's that's all it was. So, so we we have... Um, we're, we're learning about this group, and um, the, the crew's getting involved. April's getting involved in terms of stuff. And this just seems like like a comedy of errors like gone wrong yeah to the nth degree with just trying to trying to you know communicate and understand anything and it's just one hilarious sad hilarious thing right after the other well and, and I think uh, in some of the reviews I read I don't I think that there were quite a few people that weren't necessarily super happy with the portrayal of Una in here either because she was making mistakes herself but I would just stop and say, so like she was like a lieutenant though. Right. That's kind of what, I mean, Kirk was a lieutenant when he got several people killed. I mean, this is something that does indeed happen. There's a learning curve. You're not perfect just because you have a commission rank. So I I think that it was on, on par and then she got better. The problem is we just didn't have much of the get better moment yet. And now we do. Now we get to see Una in a, in a much better capacity. Um, but, you know, she is curious and they're definitely, they have the moral argument of, is this prime directive or is this not prime directive? Is this a natural evolution? Well, in this case, no, the Jator the aren't native here. They came in and conquered a pre-warp civilization. And they clearly have technology that is way above this species, what they have. And um, they're using that superior technology to subjugate them. Mm-hmm. And that superior technology we saw in the Mirror Universe episode in the original series. That's just basically blanking you out of existence or, well, just transferring you to the Jator planet. But whatever, it's fine. So... Yeah, and the here's the thing that I think is interesting uh, with like even the Prime Directive that's coming up, and even Strange New Worlds. You know, like you were just saying, Una is um, she's a lieutenant right now, and this is 2248, which is ten years before Strange New Worlds takes place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's there's one heck of a lear- of a learning curve that's going to take place from her being a lieutenant, which does it, I can't remember. Does it say she's a lieutenant or a lieutenant JG? Good question. Do not remember. Okay. Because, like, if she's a lieutenant, I mean, like, she that means she's probably going to be coming, like, a, a lieutenant commander, which is what she is in the show, um, within the next probably five years at, at a minimum, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. the way things are probably going. But also one thing I want to point out is I recognize this is not canon. But um, they're talking about the Prime Directive in this book. And, you know, Captain Pike kind of makes a joke with um, Robert April about the creation of this thing, General Order 1 becoming like the, the Prime Directive or whatever, and him yeah. saying, oh, it'll, it'll never happen. Yeah. It'll never happen. Yeah. Cool. Thinking about when it's written... <laughs> shoehorning things that weren't necessarily in the timeline yeah yeah Yeah. but you know but this but in all seriousness though like in 
in Star Trek Enterprise, you do have Archer who's having multiple conversations in like musings or whatever about like until I'm told what I can and cannot do, you know, having some prime directive, I have to figure things out on my own, basically. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even in the 22nd century, there was like already like early talks of of the prime directive. I'm gonna just stop. No, you're good. And, and realistically, I don't I don't have any issues with that particular decision to kind of move on or at least observe the Jatur and see if this is a violation of their prime directive. I think my issue becomes the after effects of when the mission is done. Uh, they hung the seal door out to dry and did. did effectively nothing to help mend this planet. I mean, when we come back later, it's still covered in the fungus from the Jator. Their ruins are still there. Their citadel is still there. Mm -hmm. And you would have thought that perhaps you might have tried to help a little bit. And and they, they didn't. And I think that that's crazy irresponsible. But then we get the bigger thing here, and, and you already alluded to it. They took this transfer key and then kept it a secret from Starfleet. That's just that, that that that's just like a like very questionable ethics right there. It's it's crazy questionable. So are we saying that in the Enterprise and Strange New Worlds there's a transfer key in there? I mean, I'm just saying, like, Pike is going to just keep this transfer key? Can we, okay, like, can we just, like, have, like, a little, um, I don't know, exercise of, like, exploring something for a second? Like, let's just say this book is canon, right? That mm -hmm. this does somehow connect to the other series and whatnot. April becomes a freaking admiral. Mm -hmm. Knows about it, Right. What, why, th that seems highly problematic that an admiral who is like running like fleet operations and other like fleet related things is keeping a secret from his own superiors. He's keeping a secret from the, 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 the even the Federation president for Pete's sake about yeah. this thing. But it's okay for a captain, like captain's prerogative, like let's just throw that out the window for a second. Like, this is like this is just crossing too much of a line in my book to say, yeah, we have this like cool tchotchke that we found on an away mission. It's in the wall, but we, we only tell captains. It it just seems like it's a like a fraternity kind of like initiation secret or something. Well, and also what a shirking of responsibility. Yeah. That that you're gonna be like, okay, so I'm not gonna deal with this anymore. Pike, enjoy. Kirk, enjoy. What what is he what is he doing? Like, like he could he couldn't just keep the ball and keep running with it. Like put it in your other ship, transfer it around or something. Like what's so, I mean, what's so special about the Enterprise at this time? You know, know that it has to stay with the Enterprise. Like you know why not keep it like in a freaking security deposit box? Like on I don't know Starbase One or something. If you have the and granted the key itself doesn't do anything without the Citadel. Right. You have to have both together. Right. But let's just say it's powerful because in eventuality it is. 
the Enterprise being the flagship, okay, fine, sure, you could argue that, but it's also on deep space missions. Like, there's the potential that it doesn't come back. So, it, it, it makes April look like a complete fool in that case. If, the, again, being everything relative, canon, non-canon, whatever, it makes them seem like a fool. And I'm not going to lie, kind of makes Pike seem a bit like a fool as well for not recognizing that, hey, let's maybe not keep shirking responsibility down the line. It was just It's just weird to me. Mm-hmm. That part was weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so... And the fact that we're dealing with, like, random, like, extra universe type of stuff, implication type types of things as well, with, like, the, the key being being in the throes with all this, too. Right. That's, let's just add that layer into it, for Pete's sake. So, uh, I don't know, dude. I don't know. But along the way... Um, with this key and like interacting with these folks, we have some Enterprise crew members that done get stucked. Yep. And um, it's after like some narrow escapes and a few other things that we finally, if I can kind of skip ahead a little bit, dude. Um, yeah, go. It's, it's kind of like revealed like this is truly what's up, like what Una's endgame is. She's trying to rescue people that inadvertently got trapped 18 years ago when she was a lieutenant under the command of April, which, again, kind of speaking to what you were saying, a little problematic, that we didn't at least try a little bit harder or something, you know, to, or at least sooner, right, to, to get them. Like, we're just walking away. Like, how can someone in you know flag officer type ranking at this point in the future the 2260s not like not have tried or i guess we don't have a record of them trying but like there una una would know i would think if there was an attempt to go back and get like uh what was it um was it martinez was the th- one of the names i don't i do i do not remember anyway there were like a couple a hand, of a handful of crew members Right, there are a couple people on the bridge, a couple people in the ship, but... Well, and then even then, as soon as the Jator, which the 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 doctor slug guy... Uh, I don't remember the pronoun, I, I apologize. But they had helped the crew send the Jator back because he's like, yeah, I understand that, you know, the rest of my race is... It's problematic, man. They, they're only out for themselves. I get it. We're not supposed to be here. I'm, I'm going to help you send him back. And actually winds up dying uh, through the effort. But um, they're gone. And this isn't Klingon space then. Did Why would you not try and do something? I understand like, you know... Una's whole thing was it took a long time to come up with, you know, whatever the equations or whatever it was that are helping her. But, like, did you guys try? Like, at all? Eh, they're gone. Good job, April. (laughs) I don't know. So, here's the thing. We we come back. Like I I was saying at the beginning, we have, like, this, this nice bookend in terms of how it's, like, kind of structured. You know, we have 
the 2260s on the front and the back end, and then of course the 2240s, 2248 actually, um, in the middle. And we are essentially kind of having this heart-to-heart with Una on what the heck to do, on how we're going to go about doing this. And this is where things kind of, like I was doing like one of those, huh, kind of like head nods, where it's like, okay, all right, listen up. Like I felt like this is like a Chris Farley kind of like motivational, like, plan or something. I don't know. Like, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. All right. We're going to get in our ships, right? We're going to go. Yeah. We're going to take the key. Yeah. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to try and rescue the crew, the men there for 18 years. And then you're going to rendezvous with me in, in two months. Yeah. Yeah. Come again. So like, what now? (laughs) So wait, 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 you're, you're telling me we're going to go to this place, which is now basically like in Klingon territory, like firmly in Klingon territory. Oh, and okay. they know about it too now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no secrets there. And uh, not sure what's going to happen, but we're going to like cross some barriers where people are trapped, not knowing if they're even there, not knowing if you can get back. And I'm supposed to meet with you at some random joint in two months. And hope to God that you're there to, with the people that you're trying to get. Am I? Am Perfect. I? Am I getting that right? Does it sound Perfect. Right? That's a sound plan right there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Cool. See you later. So, right. uh, uh, Spock. Uh, let's let's go home. Oh wait. There are Klingons that are chasing us. Oh my God. But not. Well, actually, they're not chasing us. We're we're actually trying to escape. So we're, where are we at? Where are we at? I'm lost at this point. Where are we at, man? We're, we're, we're trying to like break open some doors and get the heck out of Dodge by this point. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, Una stays behind. She, she couldn't find her crewmates in the location in which she tried to use the, the photo negative device, which is what it should be called, uh, the photo negative device. And... Um, so, yeah, the Enterprise was sent away. Uh, Kirk and Spock are using Una's ship to escape. Uh, they, I think they do wind up doing the same slingshot maneuver, they too, did. which knocks out Kirk and nearly knocks out Spock. Well, they took um, two direct hits uh, from some disruptors, mm-hmm. from a Klingon ship disruptor. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, because they did the slingshot thing, trying to escape, you know, get, like, some super speed it did far more damage to the systems in general, including life support among other things. Right. And not knowing if we're actually going to be able to survive to get back to the ship or whatever. But then they do. (laughs) And this is like another one of those like head scratching things. Like, of course, of course this is going to happen. Cause why not? Of course, of course. So we, we get the key. We have the key. We've, We've, you know, secured it. We've put it in our super secret safe. We've put it, put it, put it back in the safe spot. Yep. Sure. And um, apparently, we haven't talked about this particular character. True. Um, but we have, uh, what is it, Yeoman Bates, I believe? Eager Beaver, Yeoman Bates. Who has replaced um, Rand. And um, anyway, turns out it's not really Bates. It's a it's a major with the Romulan Star Empire who's being a double agent type of thing, 
um, who has bugged, which is just like creepy on like so many levels, huh? Yeah. Like bugged the heck out of Kirk's room. Yeah. And like, I don't want to, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> Kirk, no. how many is enough? Anyway, thank, <laughs> thank you, Mr. Spock, for showing me the combination. Thank <sighs> you for everything. Yeah. Sna- so sneaks in, snaggles the key that was just put away, even though there's silent alarms on it. Uses a communicator, gets a, a, a Romulan ship to you know beam her out, get the heck out of Dodge, and then have like the big old like you know James Bond villain kind of conversation across the viewing screen. Yeah, sounds good. It was me all along, <laughs> Captain Kirk. <laughs> Thank you very much for showing me exactly what I needed. That's not a yeoman, baby. That's a Romulan. <laughs> oh, behave. <laughs> and that is it. We have the pickle that has finally ended. We have we have number one who's trapped somewhere, question mark. We have a, a spy that has the key. And uh, now we kind of have to tell the crew what's up, jigs up, and... Thank you very much. Have a nice day type of thing. So that's pretty much the book. I know we we pretty much spoiled everything about this book. So I hope you all enjoy the spoilers. (laughs) Yeah. Crazy. Um, Yeah. I mean, any other final thoughts about this book that like we might have completely glossed over that's worth mentioning? No, I I think that that's largely largely the, the, the gist. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well. I guess let's move right along and, and rate this dang thing. So uh, with books, we do a scale of a one to five, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like I have to ask you that every month, but yeah, <laughs> one to five. Um, we don't do it often enough. Yeah, yeah. It's one to ten for everything else, but yep. yeah, books, one to five. So um, David, how would you how would you rate Captain DeCappen, the first book in Star Trek Legacies? Oh, let's see. So I think from... Um purely just a story standpoint I mean I think the story was was decent I think it was a pretty decent story um, bit of a hokey piece of technology though to uh, set your hat on but uh, you know it it, it uh, connects with the mirror universe so that was actually another thing um, they did do a lot of attempts at connecting with different episodes of, of Trek, and it's like, eh, you, you could you could stop, you you could stop doing that. We we don't need that. We don't need it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the story in and of itself was was decent. It, it was it was okay. It wasn't like a super page turner, but it was okay. Um, where it kind of uh, got a little bit mad with some of the portrayals. I think, uh, you know, with Robert April, you have someone who is inept terrible decision maker <laughs> lazy mm. <laughs> probably mm. and just not not really what you want to see from a Starfleet captain um, Una I, I think very capable resourceful uh, but interestingly enough not necessarily trusting uh, of, of anybody and you literally just had a conversation with your former, you know, crewmate uh, Spock, who just broke orders to, you know, bring Pike back. 
you know, and and so even in sort of this kindred spirit that it, that already did what you're attempting to do, uh, you still had to go it alone. Which I mean, I guess I understand. You don't want to get anybody else in trouble, but she got into nothing but trouble. Mm. Um, the the biggest thing though is I see the setup. I'm interested to know what the payoff is for this series to see kind of like what their eventuality is supposed to be. Um, Because it does set up a bit of a three-way here where you have the Federation who had the key and understands the technology. You have the Klingons who own the space where the Citadel is. And then you have the Romulan Empire which has the key. So neither of them have all the two things to make a thing happen. So in that case, it's like, fine, take the key. I don't care. You don't have the Citadel. You mm-hmm. Go to war with the Klingons and kill each other. And we'll just, you know, backdoor and get the stuff then. Um, as bloody minded as that sounds. So anyway, I am interested to see how it goes uh, as we get more advanced. In, in the, I assume we'll probably... Maybe get to the rest of this. Maybe, possibly, we'll see. Um, <laughs> the look on your face—it's like you know, like uh, I don't know. It could be, or maybe not. Um, but overall, again, it, it wasn't—it wasn't a terrible book. It wasn't great uh, either. So it was, it was kind of in the middle. It was kind of in the middle. Could have been a little bit more clear on stuff. Could have been a little less jumpy between timelines at times. But it it wasn't it wasn't a bad book. I didn't mm-hmm. find myself wanting to like not listen to it. Mm-hmm. So for that end, I'm I'm probably just gonna say three point six. You you seem very convinced of that. I was gonna go lower. Oh okay, all right. So one of the complaints that I remember us having coming out of Cap- um, Captain's Oath was how disjointed it was and like especially like confusing to try and make make heads or tails of with the audiobook itself and the thing that i think is redeeming in ways with this particular story is that it's just as good with or without the book like the physical copy of the book um, in terms of understanding the story itself um I, I there, there's a character that I wish was used a little bit more, and I don't know why, but I just didn't like how this character was used, and it was just bones. Like I really wish that they would have mm. used bones more. Um, I mean, we're we're talking about like you know the the trio for crying out loud that you know does all the things together, and it was just him kind of relegated to like not even a side character, just like. Let's check the box that we included bones in this story. Like, that's really what it boiled down to for me. And that was kind of disappointing. Um, yeah. Especially, like, and, and I feel kind of like a hypocrite for saying this, but, you know, we were talking about in um, um, the, the most recent Strange New Worlds discussion about um, why are we sending, like, both our medical um, professionals on this away mission and not leaving them on the ship, like, one of them on the ship, right, for yeah. something. I mean,. There might be an Ambanga, there might be a someone up there that could do just fine, but like seriously, like why weren't we including like bones? So I'm uh, anyway. 
I I enjoyed being able to to learn more about Una. Um, however, however it ended up being, um, I I did enjoy even if this was written, you know, years before we got Strange New Worlds, before a single page was written on the Anson Mount um, Enterprise stuff. I did like having like that connection, even though I'm like looking at this from 2022 instead of 2016. Um, that that was kind of fun. Like that was cool. Um, I did enjoy like the fun little nods to Major Barrett being the voice of the computer and also the character of Number One um, in this story. That was that was fun. Um, the things that I, I wasn't too crazy about was like the Jator Usildor confusing stuff. And just, like, the back and forth, just stuff in general. It was just, I feel like there could have been a lot more clarification done. Like, there could have been, you know, like, this is 22 chapters. I'm not necessarily saying we need more, but I think we need a little bit more um, to, like, flesh some things out. And I think, even if it was just, like, an extra chapter or two, I think making it 24... Um, one a nice round even number not the 22 isn't but I think that would make the the narrative at times not feel as um, um, compacted and, and rushed with some things it could have given a little bit extra runway um, for the most part but um, I, I did enjoy the story and I, I am kind of I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes um, especially like with what you were just saying David about you know um, um, this like three-way thing that we got going on with the Federation Klingons and Romulans, which, which just seems like that's always what's happening. So yeah. why the heck not? <laughs> um, I think for a story um, that I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed listening to and reading, I'm going to have to give this one probably just a little bit higher than what you're giving, but not by much. I'd give this probably a 3.8 for the most part. And I think um, I think this is a story worth reading. I think, like most Star Trek fans, would probably enjoy reading this this particular story compared to some others that we've talked about. Yep. So, cool, man. Well, that's that's it. That's it. We'll be uh, back next month uh, with the uh, the sequel um, to this, the second book in um, in the Legacies um, trilogy, and it's called Best Defense. Um, so, uh, book number two is called Best Defense. Um, just kind of see where this takes us um, and whatnot. So um, be be looking for that. And um, yeah. So uh, David, thanks, man, for reading with me. Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. You know, twice as high, Chase. Always twice, twice as high. Always. All right, man. Well, um, hope you're well. Hope you um, enjoy your week. Um, doing adult stuff, non-worky stuff. And um, anyway, I'll catch you catch you on the the flip side. But um, all y'all in listener land, um, have you read this book? Or, you know, what's your, your interest in reading this particular book? We'd love to hear about it. Um, you can interact with us um, on um, all the things, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at TRTVPod. You can also um, check us out on our website, TRTVPod.com. Um, you can also, you know, if you just want to send us a note, um, you know, kind of sharing your thoughts, like maybe you've read this and you've, you know, you're higher or lower in your evaluation. We'd love to hear about it. Your general thoughts, we'd love to hear about it. Uh, make, make sure you open up hailing frequencies and entering in coordinates to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. There's a three-minute limit before we get trapped, and there's no key. So please come help us in about 60 days. That'd be great. Uh, finally, if you do want to uh, 
send us something, you know, I don't know, just something in general, like a package that only captains are supposed to know about. So to me, not David or, or Eric, Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, remember to boldly go and make it so.